We'll this morning turn to our text, which will be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verse 18. Exodus 33, 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Let us pray. Oh Lord, what a prayer. What a prayer and what a petition put up by thy servant many years ago. I pray this morning, Lord, in this hour that thou would answer it in our soul, that you would first author it, that you would bring us to thy throne to ask this question, Lord, to show thy glory to us, to reveal thy glory to us. Lord, that thy light would shine so bright in our souls that all the cares of this world, all the concerns of this world, all the plans we have would be driven away that we may see thee. Oh Lord, I pray that as we embark upon this journey this morning that you would go before us, prepare the way, give us ears to hear and a heart to love thee above all other things. For this I ask in Jesus' name. The words in our text this morning, the he in it, was Moses. And he said something to the Lord he, in the middle of a discourse with God. He said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And the petition that he's brought to say that in, and it, it's, it's a most needful petition and a most needful prayer. And it made me think and made me examine my life and my heart and you know, many times I come to prayer and I feel like I'm bidden and I can't honestly say that I ask for the Lord to reveal His glory to me. Not all the time. Certainly not most of the time. So cumbered with other things and I pour my heart out to the Lord that maybe the glory of the Lord is not my first priority. His servant, Moses, was brought to say these words. That's what the faith of the Son of God does. Brings us away from self, brings us away from the situation, and authors this, this prayer and this faith in us that, that's readily there after regeneration, but not enlivened. It's not brought forth. We can't bring it forth. We're, we're, we're dependent upon the Lord to do so. And, and I think about this in light of the servant Moses, and I say, wait a minute. This one saw the Lord in the burning bush already. He saw all the plagues that God brought upon Egypt. He was there in the forefront when God divided the Red Sea. He was there when the Lord had this great exodus or this great deliverance out of bondage. He was there when he went up in Mount Sinai and the Lord gave him two tablets and his face would glow. And yet in this instance, he cries out to the Lord to see his glory. And I thought about that because, I mean, seeing the Lord's glory in that burning bush must have been magnificent. Seeing the Lord part that sea must have been magnificent. 
It must have been just a great show of God's power and covenant love to His people and how He displayed their protection and their deliverance. And yet He's brought here after, after He came down out of the mountain, after the people had made the golden cow, after they had done all that they had done, Moses, in the middle of this talk with the Lord, says, I beseech thee. That's his soul going out to the Lord. I cry out to you, Lord. I beg you, Lord. Show me thy glory. It must mean something a little deeper than what he has seen so far. He has seen wonderful things. So how... And what are the circumstances, and why was he brought to pray this prayer? For that, we start back at the beginning of the chapter. Right before we go there, we look how the last chapter stopped, um, closed. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. So that's our situation. God is displeased with Israel. As Moses was in the mountain receiving the tablets, receiving the law, the people were down being lawless. And they begged Aaron, and Aaron made a cow. And we're told both of them, the blame is laid on both of them here. They made the calf which Aaron made. Okay, so I know that doesn't sound right in our English language. How can both of them be? But both of them are culpable in it. And then we come to our chapter, and the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed I will give it. So you see the covenant's not broken. Go on up to that land, Moses, and take the people with you. And I will send an angel before thee. Now, almost always when the angel is mentioned in the Old Testament, it is the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. It will say angel of the Lord, that is Christ. But not in this case. This is an angel. It's not, the, it's not Christ. He says, I will send an angel. You'll see why he says that in a minute. He says, I'll send an angel before thee, a created being. And I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Now nothing surprises our omniscient Lord. Our Lord knows everything. He knew everything here. He knew what was going on in Moses. He knew what was going on in the people. He, he's not caught off guard. What he says to Moses is, I will send a representative, an angel, and he will go before you. And up to this point, we know that that pillar and cloud, the Lord was pleased to lead them everywhere that they went. God had shown them the way. His presence had gone with them. But at this moment now that these people have rebelled, God says to Moses, I've promised to give you the promised land. Go ahead, take the people up there, but an angel will go with you. 
And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. So the people who had been led by God out of Egypt now know and hear that God is not going to go with them anymore. His presence. He's going to send an angel. And they mourned. And no man did put on him his ornaments. His decorative, what they put on when they were dancing around with the cow. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off your ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. They're very concerned, very scared, and now they have a repentant heart for what they've done. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Well, yeah, that's okay. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. Now, this is interesting. So all the people are there in the camp. And that's what, but the Lord said, my presence isn't going to go with them. So Moses took the tabernacle and he took it outside of the camp. And outside of the camp, there were two things. There were lepers and there was the sacrifice of atonement that was made outside of the camp. So he sets up outside of the camp, he sets up this tabernacle, which is a picture to us of Christ. Christ is the one who came to save sinners. Christ who is the sacrifice of atonement for his people. So Moses, he took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. They keep stressing that. That's where the sinners, the lepers, which is a picture of sinners, and that's where the sacrifice was made. Meaning we have to be brought outside of the world, we have to be brought outside of ourselves, we have to be brought outside of sin to worship the Lord, to have true worship. Okay, this is depicting Christ. And it, and it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and they stood every man at his tent, anxious waiting to see what's going to happen. And they looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended. Remember that? It's the one that went before them, leaving, leading them um, out of uh, Egypt. And that was the Lord's presence. And stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. He communed with Moses. Now, Throughout this passage, you're going to hear lots of metaphors that are physical, like belong to man, like God has attributes as a man. We know that's not true. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So they have a different meaning to them, which we'll get into. And it came to pass as Moses entered the temple, the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And it shows you. Moses is a picture for us of a mediator and an intercessor to the people. So the Lord comes and he speaks to this mediator. 
He's not speaking to the people. Because we know the scriptures tell us there's one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. Moses is depicted and shown as that mediator, a picture of Christ in this respect. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent. Well, they were begging for mercy. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. There's that, what I was telling you. The, the Bible sometimes def, de, comes down to our level so that we understand it as a, you and I speak face to face. Okay, so that's how we understand communion. That's how we understand union. We speak to one another. Now that's one interpretation of that. The other interpretation of that is that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll table that one for now. As a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. So Moses goes in and beseeches the Lord for the people. He says, it's not he's reminding the Lord. He's standing upon something, which we'll see what that is here in a minute. He says, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou will send with me. All you've said is there's going to be an angel, and that's not good enough for Moses. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. You have said to me that I am written in the book of life, that you know my name, that I am your servant. You have said that to me, and that thou hast also found grace in my sight. Moses does not go up and appeal to God and say, Look, Hebrews tells us over there later that by faith I left all of these riches, and I could have been Pharaoh, and I could have been... He doesn't appeal to God on the grounds of what he's done. He doesn't say, this is how I'm worthy for your mercy to be upon this people. He appeals to God according to grace. You and I, as we bow our heads, as the Lord brings us to the throne, there is no other way to come to the Father through the Son, but by His grace, appealing and asking the Lord for that grace. According to your grace, Lord. That's what he says. If I And thou hast also found grace in my sight. That's what you said, Lord. You said that I know thee by name, that I'm one of your children. You said that I've been called and I've been elected before the foundation of the world. And you said that I have found grace in your sight. Now, Therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. Well, it's not the way to the promised land, because Moses already knows what that is. So what is he talking about? This goes into our text today. Show me thy glory. Moses asks and he says, show me now thy way. What is thy way? We're told in Jesus' answer to Thomas in John 14, 6, when Thomas said, Lord, how will I know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. 
I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Moses has shown that he's been saved by grace. Moses has been shown that he's a child of God. And as he comes, he said, If I have found grace, show me thy way. Show me thy way. And we already know what our text is. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses wants to see something. Moses is desirous. His soul is made alive and wants to see something. Or should I say someone? And he asked and says, Show me thou now thy way that I may know thee. How else can we know the Father but by the Son? That I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. So he goes in his role as mediator and intercessor, and he says, Lord, show me your son. Show me the mediator. Show, this is a plea for help and a plea to know the way. Moses, as we know, when he smote the rock two times, Moses' patience was gone with the people. It was hard for him. He was up in that mountain, saw the glory of the Lord up there, was given the, the tablets, comes down and they're dancing to a cow, worshiping a cow. And that had to get Moses right there. It had to get him. All that God has done for this people. And now that as he's, he's in this communing with the Lord, he has the Lord's ear, if you will. He's saying, show me thy way. Show me the way in thy son. Show me his sacrificial love. Show me his long suffering. Show me the way. And look at the Lord's answer to the prayer of his child. And he said, my presence shall go with but wait, over here he said, well, this is all of faith. All of faith exercise for Moses. He brings Moses to the end of himself. He causes Moses to cry out to him. And he rewards that faith. He rewards that work with himself. I will send my presence. My presence shall go with thee. And that ain't all. Because this tells us something about what's going on in Moses' soul. There's angst. There's worry. There's concern. There's trepidation. He says, I will go with thee and I will give thee rest. Now, I want you to listen a moment as I read Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. As we know, on the sixth day, on the seventh day, he ceased from creation and creating, and he rested. He said, all of that is good. So the rest that the child of God has is when, did you catch that part, we've ceased from our own works. That's what rest is. Resting in the finished work of Christ. Not resting in our hands or not resting what we've got to do. I said he's cumbered now. 
You remember Martha was cumbered about many things. Jesus told her there's one thing that's needful. Mary's chosen that thing. Mary's at my feet. Mary's at rest right now because she's worshiping me. Oh, if we could be brought to the feet of Christ. Oh, if we could see this way every day in our life, every moment of our life. Of course, that would be heaven. But we must have this, this presence. And, 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 and the thing is, grace doesn't come without His presence. That, Moses appealed to God for grace, and he said, I found grace in your eyes, and the Lord says, yes, my presence shall go with you. You can't have grace without the Lord's presence. People equate grace with things that they get in this life. Oh, that's God's grace on me. God's grace is that He has given a perfect sacrifice who has stood in your place and has taken your sins away as far as from the east is from the west. He is a perfect substitute. He is my atonement. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Our rest is in Christ and what Christ has finished. Christ has shown us the way. Christ has walked on this earth. Christ died. Christ resurrected. Christ is in heaven. He's shown us the way. Christ went through persecution. He has shown us the way. That way is in Him. And that way is the way that all of the pilgrims, all of the children of God will walk in and be kept in even as we wander as straying sheep. Bring us right back into that way. And then Moses says in 15, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up here. What about you? What about me? What about those days that were promised things? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a new house. Maybe it's a new something. Maybe it's a new endeavor. Is that our plea? Oh, Lord, I, I don't want it if you don't go with me. I don't want this new endeavor. I don't want these riches. I don't want this new thing in my life if you don't go with I don't want this relationship if you don't go with me. If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. He reiterates the importance of knowing and having Christ and the Father and the Holy Ghost go before Him, to lead Him, to be with Him, to govern Him, to be His life. In Him we have our being and our exist and we move. And that's who? That's in Christ. If you don't go with me, if you don't go before me, as the shepherd were told in John 10, He goes before His sheep. Or if you don't go before me, I don't want to go. The road is too hard. The road is too dangerous. If you don't go before me, how often are you brought to that? How often in our new endeavors is the Lord bring you to say, Lord, if you're not the governor of this event, 
If you don't go before me, don't take me there. Put a roadblock there. And then he goes on in 16, he says, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? It's worthless to us if you don't go with us. How is it that you display your grace? You go with It's your presence. Your presence is with us. You go before us. You must have that presence to experience grace. And then he tells us something. So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. That is the difference between a child of God and religion. That is the difference between a child of God that's sitting in whatever place he's sitting in today and everyone else that's sitting in there that's outside of Christ. Is that the Lord's presence is with them. The Lord's presence is in them. The Lord's presence. That's not what Moses said. Lord, that's what separates us from all the people that are in the world. Your grace, the presence of your grace, the grace in your presence, whichever way you want to put it, that's what separates us. And there is a separation. Was everybody in Moses' people saved in Israel? No. That was a national thing that we're talking about here. But in the church, everyone in the church has experienced and will experience His grace and His presence in that grace. Every one of them. As Paul said, as one born out of due time, out of time, in the Lord's time, by the Lord's power, in the Lord's perfect time. There is a separation. We can't walk from one place to the other. We can't walk across the street and say, you're all my brothers. We don't have a right to say that. The Lord has chosen His church and His presence is in those people. That's the delineating factor. Not all Israel's Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight. And I know thee by name. I know thee by name, Moses. You are my child. You have found grace in mine eyes. I will go with you. Is he not our Lord who answers our prayers? Is he not the Lord who authors that prayer and answers that prayer? I want you to see that. He brought Moses to say these words in our text now. And he said, I beseech thee, Lord. This is his answer. This is Moses' answer to, I will go with you. I will go with you. My presence and you, are, you have found grace in my eyes. I know thee by name. And Moses' answer is, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Oh, for us to have the zeal for the Lord's glory. What is His glory? Well, let's go to a couple. Well, we'll go to one place and we'll read a couple other passages. Let's go over to um, John 17. That high priestly prayer. 
want to go to the end of it. I want to want you to see and, and hint on a couple things here. I believe the glory of God is. We're not left to wonder. He's going to tell us here in a few minutes, but let's just let's just look at it. Let's let's start in verse twenty. He's speaking of those that he sent out, and he said, Jesus says, Neither pray I for these alone, the ones that I've sent out to preach the gospel, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's the entirety of the church. That they all may be, uh, be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world, that's the world of the elect, may believe that thou hast sent me. Because certainly the world outside of Christ doesn't believe that he had sent him. You see the union in that? I and thee, you and me, they and us. And the glory which thou gave me, I have given them. Show me thy glory. The glory of God comes through Christ. How are you and I going to see the glory of God today? Well, we talked about it a few weeks ago. It's in the face of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and thou and me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them and thou hast loved me. See the witness of that? See how it's circular? See how it's the church is, is, is given the mind of Christ to know what the Father has done and what the Father has given the Son and what the Son has given the church and what's revealed to us through the Son. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. You want to be where Christ is? You, you, want to, you want to be, well, certainly he's dwelling in heaven right now. Is that, is that, does that scare you that, that your life would end and you would go to be with the Lord? I hope we all have that desire. that they may be where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. Do you see that? The Father has given the glory to the Son. For thou loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I've known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. And I've declared unto them thy name, and will declare it. Show me thy glory. How can we see the glory of God? That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Show me thy glory. John 1, 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father. You hear that? That's the glory. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
as I've already hinted on, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That's what we want. Show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Well, here's where it is. It's in the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being the brightness of His glory, speaking of Christ, who is the brightness of His Father's glory, and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Which is important here in a few minutes. That's the glory. He wants to see the Son. He wants to see the way in the Son. He wants the Son to lead Him as a shepherd. Show me thy glory. And here's His answer. And He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. What is His goodness? What is God's goodness to you? Is it the redemption? That's in Christ Jesus? Is it the reconciliation that He has made between us and the Father that's in Christ Jesus? Is it the atonement that He has put away your sins and blotted them out? Is it His substitution that He stood in your place and absorbed the wrath of the Father against the sins that you and I, if we be in Christ, have committed. Past, present, and future. Is it His justification where He stood before the Father and said, They are not guilty, Father. They're clothed in my righteousness, and they're not guilty. This is your bride presented to you without any spot or wrinkle. What is the goodness of God? Romans tells us it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God to overcome our pride and our nastiness and bring us to the end of ourselves to cry out to the Lord for forgiveness and then to go to one another and ask the same. It's the goodness of the Lord to do that. 70 times 7. I will make all my goodness to pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I am the Lord of grace. But I will be gracious to who? Because I'm just too. And I have a people. And all of those people will be given my grace. But just those. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. What is His goodness? What is His goodness to you? Look, look over, well, and my Bible is just over the side here in 34. Look at verse 5 for a minute. Which, this is like the end of their talk, but... And the Lord descended, this is in 34, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, Moses, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. 
And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. This is the Lord's proclamation of himself. He is the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That's what that means. The Lord. The Lord God. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that we say, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But don't forget about his justice. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. And when Moses heard the the declaration of who God is, who's perfectly gracious and perfectly just and perfectly merciful, he fell down, made haste, and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, O Lord, if now I found grace in thy sight, let my Lord pray thee go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people. Pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. But let's get back to where we were. That's, that, that's His goodness. I will make that goodness pass before thee and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord and I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And He said, Thou cannot see my face. Well, that doesn't contradict that they were face to face. I told you that that's not a... God doesn't have a face and He's not saying that here either because we know that God is a spirit. And he said, Thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. There shall no man see me and live. And, well, we won't, we'll table that one. And that's why we have a mediator. That's why God sent his son to reconcile two arguing parties. God's angry at our sin. We're angry and rebellious about anything that God has reigned over us. And there's only one reconciliation, and that's Jesus Christ. Who shows the Father the righteousness that He has wrought for His people. He subdues His people and brings them down and breaks them down and shows them their need of salvation in Him. Praise God. Praise God it's all of Him. Praise God that He is sufficient for every need that we have, past, present, and future. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Yeah. Where is that place? There's a place by me. Well, who's, who's at the right hand of the Father? There is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Well, Moses, I mean, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians that that rock that's mentioned in the Old Testament is Christ. There is a place by me. There is a place by me that is my equal. That is my son. And you know what I'll do? I'll make you stand. Thou shalt stand upon that rock. You want my presence? You want my glory? This is my glory, my son. You will stand upon Him. You will live upon Him. You will walk in Him. You don't think it's in Him? Let's go on. And it shall come to pass 
while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cliff of the rock. I will put you in Christ. And that's the only way we can see the Father is in Christ and by Christ. And that's the only way we can understand His goodness by Christ and in Christ. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. Notice that. You're not jumping on the cliff by yourself. You're not going to He's not saying, Moses, of your free will, decide today, will you follow Christ? If you will, here he is over here on the rock. No. Grace, sovereign, electing grace says, I will put you in Christ. I will put you there. And the child of God's will is subdued. And grace subdues it. And he's crying out to his Lord, Thank you, Lord, for I would not go there of my own because I am dead in Adam. It shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Why is that important? Why is that the height of mercy? Because we know we cannot see the glory of God in its totality while we're in this tabernacle, this one that has sinned. And the, God says, I will hide, I will cover you, I will protect you. You will be revealed what I will reveal unto you. What you have need of. What is perfect for you. What is meant for you. What is meant for my people. And I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. We, just, we were already told, if you see me, you're going to die. This is how I'm going to protect you and hide you in my son. He's our protector. He's our rock. He's our tower. I'm going to hide you in my son. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in you. And finally he says, I will take away my hand that's for revelation. That's the only way we can see. That's what the Lord told Peter. Blessed are you. My Father's revealed that to you. I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts. You will see what I intend for you to see. You will see only what I reveal to you. What did I reveal to you? You asked for my glory. I gave you my son. You want to see the Lord's glory? It's in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to experience the Lord's glory? It's in the face of Jesus Christ. But my face shall not be seen. Reminds me of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13, 9. For he said, for now we know in part. And we prophesy in part. But oh, one day. One day when the Lord takes us to be with him. Well, this tabernacle of sin is no longer dwelled in. We're raised in a glorified body and we meet the Lord and we are taken with the Lord. We will see Him as He is. 
we will see the brightness of His glory. We will see all of His glory. We will see His Son. We will see the Father. Be no more in need of faith because we'll see Him. But love will still be there. A love reciprocated. And all of this revealed through the Son. Luke 10, 22 says, All things are delivered to me of my Father. And no man knows who the Son is but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. May the Lord reveal to us today the glory of of himself in the face of Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, may you add thy power and thy clarity for thy name's sake. For this I ask in Jesus' name.